Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. How many hours a week do you spend on social media, peers? While social media can be great for networking and connecting with your circle, there's no denying that we can quickly rack up many hours of mindless scrolling. What if personal development and education was just as addictive as your bedtime binge? That was today's guest mission when she co-founded Binar Academy. Today's guest, Dita Asia, is now the Chief Business Development Officer of Indonesia's first learning app for technology skills. In today's fascinating episode, Dita shares the reverse culture shock that led to the idea for her business, why you need your own definition of success to keep you motivated, and how to manage your time and emotional energy when building a business. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us in our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome, Dita. Dita, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Of course. You know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing in the e-learning, learning space, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. 
Thank you for connecting with me. Uh, I was very surprised and didn't expect anything, but yeah, definitely happy to be here. Oh, I so appreciate it. Well, look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so my name is Dita. Uh, I am the co-founder of Binar Academy. We are Indonesia's first learning super app that focuses on digital skills. We uh, are based in Indonesia and we have been around since 2017. And what we do is we try to make coding and technology learning to be as fun as watching Netflix or scrolling your Instagram feed. So we think about all the times that we spend on social media, right? All the hours that we spend looking at, you know, God knows what. And then we imagine to ourselves, you know, what if we can spend all these hours to learn instead to improve the trajectory of our career and to improve our future livelihood and that's kind of what we're doing at Binar. So we do webinars, self-paced learning, as well as bootcamp that help people to learn digital skills and also get a job in digital industry. We also work with several companies to empower their teams to be more digitally competent because let's face it, right? Indonesia is a emerging market with technology that is a little bit behind from our neighboring countries and definitely the Western hemisphere. So we have a lot to catch up and a lot of them, they're not prepared to face this digital transformation era. So we just help to empower that. Oh, it's such cool work that you do, Dita. And I mean, oh my goodness, the fact that you're based in Indonesia, I mean, it's so cool to see the change that you're making with your business back at home, back where you live. And so I can't wait to dive deeper into that. But before we do, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is... What was it like growing up in Indonesia and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? Yeah, so I was born and bred in the capital in Jakarta and I've lived there up to I graduated high school and after I graduated high school, I actually moved to the US and I think having the two experiences, right, that is so highly contrasted that shapes a lot of my worldview and influence a lot of my career decision, actually. So I moved to the U.S. in 2010, and I started using Uber then and ended up loving it. And so when I had to come back to Indonesia back in 2015, some of my friends were working at this company called Gojek. So my friends would claim that Gojek was building a technology that was very similar to Uber. So I was like, yeah, I, it's a no-brainer that I wanted to be part of that, right? Gojek was a ride-hailing company. It started out as a ride-hailing company and then they kind of transform into a super app where they have like e-wallet, they have food delivery service, logistics, entertainment, every services that you can think of, they practically have it in the app. 
and they recently merged with Indonesia's biggest e-commerce company called Tokopedia. And after the merger, they called themselves GoTo, and they're now publicly traded in the Indonesian stock exchange as GoTo. And they are the first Decacorn in Southeast Asia, actually. And so long story short, I thought, you know, it was no brainer for me to join because I love Uber and I believe that the technology would be so beneficial for people in the Indonesian communities, right? So I think my point here is without the privilege of living in a more technologically advanced country, I probably wouldn't have kickstarted my career in technology. I never had that plan. I never had that intention. And it turned out to be the most beautiful serendipity that got me to where I am today. Because it's so, I always find it fascinating when people have grown up between two countries, completely different environments. And I guess it shapes you, both countries would have shaped you. I guess if we talk about the Indonesian culture and upbringing, you know, what was that like for you? What, what did your parents do growing up? And I guess, where was your mindset at when you were growing up prior to experiencing all of the technology and all of the advancements in the U.S.? Yeah, my mom was a housewife, so she she's a stay-at-home mom, and my dad is a corporate guy. We're not, like, loaded, but I think I lived very comfortably growing up. I was trained to be very competitive in everything that I did. Your parents would give you zero compliments on any types of achievements that you do. So you ended up, you know, pushing yourself better and better and better, right? We have this ranking system in elementary school, for example, where people would be ranked based on their exam scores, right? And then I would rank first sometimes. And then they just said to me like, well, that's your responsibility as a student. Why go to school if you can't be the first rank? So that's just kind of the setup of my upbringing. And I think that really shaped my future drive and motivation to really succeed and to grow really successful business that creates a lot of impact and scale very quickly. Oh my goodness. Was there ever a time growing up where you just kind of felt like you weren't enough and that no matter how hard you tried, how many times you hit number one on the list, you know, you just weren't enough. And if so, how did you navigate through that? And does that still show up for you now, you know, running and, and building your business? I was going to say, girl, who said it just happened in the past? You know, you're still dealing with it today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think my turning point was when I was in college, right? I became very obsessive with my productivity because I always wanted to optimize to be better and better. I got to this super OCD point in my life where I would plan every minute of my life and that at the end of the day I would cross one of the to-do lists and if I didn't meet one of the you know time limits on my to-do list I would feel such a failure because of it because I thought 
oh, you failed to optimize your time to its maximum potential. And I wasn't in a very happy place back then. And obviously for such a petty reasons. And so I came out to see a therapist, obviously. And then I started to build understanding that it's not just always about winning all the time. It's not just about getting validation from other people. Happiness comes from within. And if you can make the most of whatever opportunity is presented at you at that point in time, then you can be happy. And also the definition of success is something that we have to build on our own, right? You can be happy with whatever it is that you have and 100% content and ignore what other people expects of you, what the society expects of you, what even your family expects of you. You have to really build a conviction of what do you want your life to be and what success means to you and you pursue that and it can look very different from people to people but yeah it's really important that we have our own definition of success what's your definition of success my definition of success is when i build something that history books would talk about it centuries down the road and they would look back like wow that invention was life-changing and you know worth mentioning something that impacts generations to come and it changes society in such a deep meaningful way it makes their life easier it makes their life more connected or whatever it is i don't know i mean i i, I think i'm so far from 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 reaching that definition now but that's kind of what I have in mind oh it's so great so good to think big and I just it's so inspiring to yeah hear how big you are thinking so I want to dive deeper into the story of how you began your company but before we do a question I have is for our peers out there listening who perhaps don't know what they're big vision or dream or what their why is, you know, and what success really does mean to them. And they're still trying to figure it out. You know, maybe they feel a bit lost, a bit confused. They're going down this one path, but they don't know if it's right or not. What advice would you give to us around figuring out what our own definition of success is? And more so than that, what path we want to go down? Yeah, I think that's such an interesting question because everybody would have their own time. So first, I think don't put a deadline on yourself. Like I have to figure it out by 21. As I finish college, then I wanted to figure it all out. So then I will be entering the right job and working in the right industry for the rest of my life. I think it's a constant process of figuring things out and at the same time, you have to allow yourself the luxury to change your mind along the way and kind of reshape your definition and take inspirations from what is happening around you and take that into consideration and then continue iterating that and 
build that conviction, you will know when it's there, you know. For me, it required me to go down in such a bad rabbit hole. So I didn't know that I ever wanted to be in education. I never knew I wanted to be doing this at first, right? But I think the universe is just unraveling itself to you over time. And I remember coming back from the U.S., I had this massive reverse culture shock. It's funny to say because I've grown up here for the whole time, but I think, you know, after being detached from the culture for quite some time, this culture that you used to call home becomes kind of foreign to you. And so all these things that people are doing and seemingly normal to others, but not to me, was triggering me a lot of anger and emotion and it happens every day so you know things like not waiting in line or craziest thing i've seen was you know people would sit on top of a moving train an electric moving train just because the train was full and they don't want to wait for the next one and i would think to myself how could people so unaware that you know they only live once and they have to take it like a precious thing that it is and you know why don't they realize that it's so dangerous and things like that and it happens so often it happens every day and so it sucked me into such an unhappy place for you know almost a year and one day i don't know where it came from i just had this inkling in my head like instead of you complaining every day about what's wrong with people why don't you do something to make it right so so fascinating and i think you're so right in terms of we can go down these paths and we may not know if they're right for us or we may get frustrated with ourselves you know, for you, it was obviously that reverse culture shock and coming back home that just like triggered you and then made you make the decision to make a change in some way. And so I think, yeah, it's just so valuable as a takeaway is knowing that even though we may be in a position in a place that feels frustrating and we're not sure if it's the right place to be, we can always do something about it. And so you did something about it. You know, in 2017, you started your company, Binar Academy. Can you talk to us a little bit about where the idea for the business came about and what were those first few steps you took to get it off the ground? Yeah, so it really connected to this inkling that I had. You know, not long after that, I actually caught up with my former colleague. I mean, she was the VP of product and engineering at Gojek at the time, and she had just resigned. And she told me that she wanted to build a coding school that's integrated with a recruitment service. So then we can connect the graduates with the hiring partners, right? The tech startups or the companies that are doing digital transformation. And I thought that was a brilliant idea for me to jump into because having been working at Gojek, I was a marketing manager at the time, by the way. So I realized that high quality digital talents are really, really hard to get. And it was 
so necessary that we try to increase it. Otherwise, the digital economy is not going to grow because everybody has all these innovative ideas, all these funding are ready to be deployed to Indonesia, but, you know, there's nobody to execute it. In fact, Gojek at the time ended up buying a lot of software houses from India just to get all their uh, employees to become engineers at Gojek. And so Indonesia being the fourth most populous country that it is with 270 million population in it, we believe that there's a huge opportunity for us to capitalize on this. The only bottleneck was the access. And we were so privileged to have been working at Gojek at the very early years where, you know, the tech leaders at the time were all at Silicon Valley. So we learned from them. And why don't we codify all of this and transfer this knowledge to others and make them to have the opportunity to enrich the digital industry and contribute in that So I wouldn't take credit of the idea. She came up with it. She's now the CEO of Binar Academy. Her name is Alamanda. We went out best friends and I love her. And that was where the idea came from. I love asking the question of when's the right time to leave your full-time job and go all in on your side hustle. You know, I think these days every single one of us has a side hustle, but not many of us take it full time. You know, for you, when you were still working at GoTech, you know, full time and then doing this at night, firstly, how did you manage your time around that and your emotional energy around that? And then secondly, when did you know that it was the right time to go all in? I knew from the beginning that I wanted to do it full time. Maybe that was the main motivation right and that's the first thing that you need to have when you wanted to decide being a side hustle or full-time i think it's important for us to know our goals first yes full-time job working for someone offers you a lot of stability and security but building your own business offers you exponential growth in terms of knowledge, personal leaderships, and, you know, all these things. And you have to know your priorities, I guess. Being 23 at the time, I think it helped because it was just like a fire of passion inside me. Like, you know, I can do this. I believe in the idea and... We have a very solid proof of concept as well. We had strong clients. So, you know, it was like the pull factor was strong. Such valuable advice. Has your priority always been business or has it been security in the past? And if so, is it okay for our priority to shift and how do we kind of embrace that? It was hard for me to take the leap from employment to entrepreneurship, right? Because I was leaving a stable job, a good paying job, actually, to take a pay cut to start something new that has a lot of uncertainty in it. But then again, 
your mind needs to be focused on the potential of the future. It's like saving, you know, or investing actually. When you put like money on your mutual funds, it doesn't seem to grow much within the first few years, but then there will come to a point where it will grow exponentially and you ended up with a bank account with loads and loads of money that you never know where it came from. And so I see experience was kind of like that. I had the luxury of age at the time. I was still very young. I had all the energy. That was a big decision point for me. And then the second thing was I was very confident about the future, the ideal of the future, how the world should be in my head. And I really wanted to turn it into fruition. And that became a motivation that continues to fuel the courage in me and to fuel the drive to kind of do this and build the bravery for me to jump ship. And the third thing I would say is I have an exceptional idea. I have an exceptional proof of concept and I have an exceptional market opportunities, what I thought was the market opportunity, right? And last but not least, I have an exceptional founding team, which I was very confident that we can be in the ship together and, you know, sail to the next island. And if we were to sing, I would be more than happy to sing together with them, you know? So that was like my, my thought process. So valuable to hear. And I just think, yeah, for many of our peers, even for myself listening to this, I think when you start a business, especially when you're young, sometimes you can feel a bit silly and like maybe it won't work out. But I think, you know, it's so cool to hear your thought process at the time and kind of what's happened over the last five and a half years. So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about the growth of the business. So, you know, you mentioned that you bootstrapped the business for the first four years and then recently last year took on um, funding. Can you talk us through your emotional journey in growing the company? You know, from when you had the all the energy and the courage to dive in, you know, what were those first four years like and how did you navigate through those growing pains? Yeah, I would definitely think that entrepreneurship has its own ups and down. Maybe in the first couple of months, it was dominated with excitement. And then reality hits you. And I'm pretty sure you know this as well, right, Michelle? You started this uh, project when you just came out of college, right? So, and you bootstrapped the whole time as well. So we were definitely in the same boat. And then reality hits you and it made you realize that it's not as easy as you thought. I was a very young leader, to begin with, right? And so I was very inexperienced. And, you know, being an entrepreneur means that you have to do so many things at once. You don't have the luxury of, you know, all the divisions um, 
set up and then you know how like in companies especially uh, in my uh, previous experience at a very well established uh, tech company very well funded tech company you know within the marketing division itself then you have like hundreds of branches under them you know like digital marketing whatever seo sem and whatever right and you you don't have that luxury so you have to figure it out all yourself and next thing you know you become the cfo cmo the chief legal you become like everything basically and that was definitely overwhelming i didn't expect that i should have probably researched about that before jumping but you never do do you you just think it's gonna be fine <laughs> yeah yeah so i guess i don't know if you agree or not i think starting a business in such a young age teach you to be brave right because then you acted on this excitement and ideas without having that much considerations and i think there's a value to that because there's actually a quote that i really like from this book it's called before our work week by tim ferritz conditions are never perfect someday is a disease that will take your dreams to the grave if it's important to you and you want to do it eventually just do it and correct course along the way and you know i think that's such a powerful quote and when we are older more mature we have a lot more things to consider these thoughts can be something that stops you from achieving what you really want or your purpose even your your calling in life so true i love that you quoted tim ferrets <laughs> Look, you like him as well, oh, huh? Such a good one. He's such a good one. Look, Dita, you and I could talk for days. I'm absolutely loving this chat, but I am mindful of your time. And so I have a couple of final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? Well, first of all, I never really considered anything that happened in my life as a failure. I see them... as learnings but i would say some of the biggest learning that i had as an entrepreneur was in the second year of the business when we had you know a small team and we had closed that clients right and then we focused on delivering exceptional services for them and then my biggest mistake at the time was my blind spot was not being able to make sure that these clients are going to expand their contract or didn't focus on acquiring new clients so that when the end of contract ends they ended up churning and we lost you know a big portion of our revenue right and so that put our financial security in such huge turmoil at the time and our financial trajectory was heading south our very existence was at risk actually but it taught me so much about the importance of having plan b and c and d and because everything in business is so unpredictable so you got to have all these options ready at your disposal whenever you need it 
And on top of that, it also opened the door for me to get into sales. So I saw this hard time as like a pivotal learning moment for me that is very valuable. So, so valuable. So look, Dita, over the last five and a half years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. So many learnings along the way, so much work involved, but you have received a lot of recognition for your work over the years. And most recently you were featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? I think I would credit this to you, Michelle, because I would quote this from one of your podcasts where you said, building a business needs persistence and consistency over an extended period of time. I think the extended period of time is something that needs to be underlined because sometimes even like right now, especially, you know, with the uh, tech bubble going on, people wanted instant success, right? They wanted to raise huge sum of money and then they wanted to like burn them and all in the name of huge growth. But that persistence and consistency and building business fundamental that will make sure your business will sustain in the long run is very, very important. So that's the first one. The second one is your network is your net worth. Never thought of building a network like a transaction. Don't do that. You still have to start to get to know people in very genuine way, but you have to keep in touch with them and you have to like start thinking in your head, you know, how this person could be valuable to you and how could you add value to them as well because and you never know what these people that you meet, the strangers that you pass by in a random coffee shop is going to open opportunities for you years and years down the road. Do not ever discriminate that power of building relationships, even with the most strangers person that you meet in the most random places that you never thought of. And then the last thing I would say is Maybe this is more on the commercial side. I would say pick great founders, bootstrap your ideas, and get feedback from your early customers and keep iterating your product. The early customers are really important because they practically buy your idea. They believe in your vision. They believe in your movement. They believe in the change that you would like to see in the world. And so listen to them. And if you can make them happy, then they will keep buying. And when they're happy, they keep buying. They tell their friends. And that's how your business grows. Such valuable advice, and I so appreciate you quoting something that I said. Honestly, uh, it's great to hear that it's actually useful because you know it sometimes is. you don't know. <laughs> Amazing, Dita. So, look before I ask you the final question, 
I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us and particularly us ambitious young women of colour that, you know, if we have that vision, that goal and that dream and we know exactly what success looks like for us, we actually can turn that into our reality, although it may take a while and a lot of work. We can make it happen. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you so much for letting me have this medium to share what I thought and what I feel and share with other women out there. Of course. So the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Happiness. Feeling content with your life and feeling like you're useful for a purpose that's bigger than yourself. And that's such a rewarding feeling. Oh, I love it. Dita, oh my goodness, we've had an absolute blast. It's been so awesome to chat with you. Thank you so much. Likewise, Michelle. Of course. So where can we learn more about you and Binar Academy? Well, you can add me on LinkedIn if you like. Uh, just put D-I-T-A-based A-I-S-Y-A-H. Or if you just go to our website, it's www.binaracademy.com. It's B-I-N-A-R. You can also follow us on Instagram. It's Academy Binar, B-I-N-A-R. M-A-R. So, yeah. Amazing. We'll link them up in the show notes. Thank you so much again, Dita. It's been so awesome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.